back, everybody, to the next episode of the Dungeons Mastered podcast. I am Brian. And I am Jeff. And we're going to talk about some D&D stuff today. Yes, we are. And in particular, I'd like to start off the episode giving a little bit of a shout out to the people that have responded to what we've been doing on social media, the podcast that's gone out there. In particular, I'm going to give a shout out to Todd, Kimberly, and Dan. You guys have been awesome. And then, of course, there's the shout out for our first fan art from Josh. Such great stuff. The Stone Golem and the Crawling Claw. I'm just so excited that we're getting any attention at all. Thanks, guys. Jeff, if I wasn't so sure by the voting so far that you were going to win our last draft after seeing that fan art, I think that sealed it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, I'm screwed, but it is what it is. Yep. If you have not yet already, go on over to Twitter. We have a poll going there for the first draft from the first episode. Go ahead and vote for Team Jeff if you're there and contribute to the 80% of the vote that I have already. I hate you already. <laughs> well, you got a, a chance to redeem yourself in this this week's draft. So I do. We'll see how I that do. goes. So before we get started... Uh, today we have our segments. It's going to be really the same segments we did last time. We do have more coming. We do, we do. Uh, but we're going to start off with uh, a bit of a DMs discuss, better name pending. Uh, another draft. This time is going to be the perfect party. Yes, indeed. And I do have a theme. And yes, uh, I, I hope to see if you figure it out along the way, because I'm not going to give up the theme until the end. <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit straightforward in my theme because it re- it's required for explaining why I, well, yeah, I I, I want to. I think it's going to help <laughs> flesh out the characters and their, their way that they work together as we're going through that. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that there is a theme to mine. You'll just learn it at the end. Exactly. Because it's going to be more fun for me that way. And then we're going to do another yes and to cap off the episode. So should be a good one. Let's jump into our topic today. For DMs discuss, better name pending. Better name pending. So we talked a little bit before we got started on what the topic was going to be, and there were a couple of different pieces of this topic, and largely it came down to, as a dungeon master, understanding more about the characters that are in your game, and not just from a backstory perspective to drive where you're moving with the story, but also their features the different things that they can do and make ways to make sure that that's featured in the game in some way so that they feel like they're using their characters. Um, and I think you had a great example earlier with tools. Yes. In particular, I I do a bit of dreaming for characters that I may want to bring into games later on. And one in particular that I'm looking at, just the way that I'm building the character, introduces a ton of tool proficiencies that... I would want to then have a conversation with the dungeon master about in how do how how can we produce scenarios in which these tool proficiencies are used? How can we make some cool things with with the way that these tools kind of work together and can help benefit us? And what it really comes down to for me, thinking, okay, what would I as a dungeon master pose with that question do with that is provide challenges and opportunities for those to be used in creative ways that aren't so blatant as a, oh yeah, I'm, I'm throwing this in just for you kind of thing, right? So what's uh, what's an example of a tool proficiency that this character might have? So he is proficient in 
it, it, it got kind of crazy the way that I was building this character. Okay. It ended up being okay. seven tool proficiencies just because of all the things that I put together. That honestly wasn't my intent when I built the character. It was just when I started putting the pieces together, I realized, oh, I get a tool proficiency here and here and there. And I just needed to start putting them together. So, so is this character's name Al Borland? <laughs> it is not. <laughs> or or Tim the Toolman Taylor? No. Um, it needs to be now. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I fear that giving the character name away because of the nature of how the character name is developed around <laughs> because of the race even yeah sure would would give it away so so i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, hold that close to the chest on that one but it's got to be tim the tool man and his <laughs> only form of speech he's gonna know one language and it's uh? <laughs> <laughs> i like it and it's funny uh, i feel like i'm getting a little sidetracked here but but putting those character ideas out into the world even as just a, a general point uh, for people to flesh on ha- has really given me some ideas for how to build them in the past. So I might sure. put this character concept that work. Okay. Out there. Anyway. Okay. So getting so back to the give me, an, give me an example of a, a tool yes. since you have seven. Right. <laughs> so let's just start with one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then wh- like, okay, so let's do this. You give me an example of a tool. Yes. And I'll throw an idea how we could put that into the game from the DM perspective. Yes. So, uh, I think the one of the easiest ones to think of something how it could work into the game, and I have two that relate, so I'll, I'll give you both of them because they're okay. they're pretty close. Is alchemist supplies and an herbalism kit. I have proficiency in both of them with this character that I'm building. So we're getting a little World of Warcraft with this, and uh, oh, definitely, and mixing our together. Indeed. Okay. So. The first thing that comes to mind is the fact that I think in a lot of games, we don't really play around with the different potion options too much. Indeed. There's a lot that are in that Dungeon Master's uh, guide that you could end up using, uh, but giving those recipes to the player, for instance, so that they can create them on their own is is something that isn't typically explored in most games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'll tell you... I don't usually look at the tool proficiencies for the characters. Oh, neither do I. You know, I, I think the only time that we have together was in your campaign with uh, with my character Grix, who was a former soldier and had uh, land vehicles as a proficiency, and we had that that big old lumbering uh, a little Titan that we never used. That we never used. <laughs> it was too slow and uh, took up too much space. Um, I could have been a little bit faster on giving you guys some uh, upgrades for a little listen, Titan, but we got eventually around to it eventually. <laughs> it, it is, and, and and it was a really cool thing. And I think sometimes you got to let that draw out a little bit. You know, you got to feel it not being that good, so that when you make it good, it feels better. So going back to the tool proficiency, that was just something that we knew. Little Titan was in the game, and I said, "Oh, hey, soldiers have land." vehicle proficiency so i'll put that in there i thought that was kind of cool but that was more in the character the player's perspective of understanding that so i think maybe from the dm's perspective on alchemy and and herbalism that you throw some recipes out there and you give them the opportunity to discover and i'm sure because i haven't looked into it i'm sure there's ways in the dm's guide or in other guides or maybe on the dm's guild where you can find somewhere that somebody's fleshed that out Right. Giving perhaps recipes even for those brews so that Mm -hmm. you can then provide those as quest opportunities so that when they're out in the forest and they're they're conducting their survival check, the 
alchemist and you know herbalist kit person would be would be aware that they're looking for various supplies. So when you as the dungeon master see, oh, you got a 17 on your survival check. Yeah, you you find your way along the path. And as you're going out of the corner of your eye, you recognize the hollyberry plants that you've been needing for this particular alchemist's recipe. Sure, absolutely. Well, and if you have all the ingredients in front of you, if you're in a world building mode, you might be looking at it and saying, okay, this region is only going to have these types of ingredients. You might be able to place a rarity, go. Ooh, percentile die. Uh, absolutely. So there's some really fun things that you can do with that. So I think that's, you know, definitely look at those proficiencies with your players and say, okay, kind of get an idea of, first and foremost, do they care? Or is that just the tool that they picked up because it's part of the kit? Um, And then from there, you know, figure out how they see it happening and then fit that into how you build things. Totally. I know the example that popped into my mind was finding spells because as we mentioned last week, I love wizards. Yes. And you know, one of the fun things about being a wizard is that you get to add spells that you find to your spell book. And I think that because daddy demon doesn't give them to you. Well, yeah, yeah. I I wasn't born with that ability. Okay. (laughs) I had to work for it. All right. You don't know how many years of school that I had to go to. Anyway, um, I just don't think that that's necessarily something that is laid upon the DM to think about, right? And so as both a DM and a player, one of the things that I did with the DM in the game that I'm playing a wizard was I went to him and I said, hey, I think it'd be really cool if I was able to find some spells. And, you know, we came up with a lot of ways that we might be able to work that into my character. Well, lo and behold, we come up against another party that was mostly killed, some of them petrified, and we revived their spellcaster, and she happened to have a spell book. And I said, well, that's mine now. Right. <laughs> and uh, Living dead, I don't care about this adventure. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm, no. I'm getting that spell book. Yeah, I, I, I think we ended up meeting a god at that point, and I was still just enamored with the spell book. I didn't even care yep. until the end of the conversation. So we talked afterwards and I said, look, dude, I'm, I'm going to look at this. I, you know, comprehend languages. I want to know what's in here. You don't have to do it now. I don't expect you to just come up with spells that are in here, but let's work it out. And so he and I got together. Well, just online, right? Cause we you don't, you don't need to be in the same room anymore for half this stuff. Right. And I said, um, so we came up with a list of spells that were, you know, kind of wish list spells. Also, here's some spells I already have. And here's some spells that you could just put in. And he created this spell book where, you know, and we came together, we said, look, there's probably only three or four spells in here that I might want to use. So put stuff in that I already have. Right. Put stuff in that I won't care about. Um, because if you give an entire spell book that's entirely new spells to a wizard and say, you get eight new spells like that, that, that can get kind of crazy. Well, and listen, the chances are that any wizard is going to have Mage armor, shield, shield. Yep. Uh, they might have haste or slow or fireball. This one didn't have fireball. I was a little bummed, but I'm gonna find that fireball. Yep. But point being, there's gonna be a lot of overlap, so it should never be this thing that's that's here's a spell book of 20 new spells that you can have. Right. It's here's a spell book with some stuff that is thematic to that character that you might find something in 
And I sure did. I found like two or three that I was like, I really want these spells. This is cool. I might not use them all the time, but it was really fun to be able to say, these are the ones I want. There's some downtime in the next episode where I won't be there. So, you know, my character is going to be hiding away in a room, scribing spells because he only needs to rest for four hours. Exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, all of this really does tie into communication with your players, which, you know, is something that can't be stated enough and being important in, like we were talking about, just mentioned a little bit there of integrating them into your story. Yeah, of course. But there's a mechanical element. A lot of players come from the perspective of really enjoying being able to use all of their abilities. They enjoy combat. I know I'm one of those people. And being able to have opportunities for your players to to use all of their spells, to gain new spells in the case of a wizard, use all of their their features and everything is yeah. really important. And that brings us to one of the things that kind of sparked this topic in general is talking about spell components. Oh, yes. Yes. In, in particular, the some of the coolest spells in the game require those components. And it's because they're as cool as they are, as powerful as they are, whatever, that they require those components. And you can do your players a favor by... Not necessarily like saying, especially in the case of one of the the first ones that you come across that you need spell components for, Revivify. You don't just want to say, there's a diamond mine that you can go visit and just get all the diamonds you need kind of thing. But sprinkling those things in, maybe saying that you find a diamond that's on the, the, the corpse of one of the enemies that you killed kind of thing. Giving them an opportunity to use those spells you have those components for what they're doing can really yeah. help your players feel like they're using their full toolkit. Well, and then it's, I think some of those spells, you don't even think about having those components around. Like I, I don't really think about diamonds in general, unless I randomly roll one on, on a table of loot right. for something. Right. So just having it in the game, I mean, you know, you never know. It might be something that your players coerce out of your quest giver because you weren't planning on giving them any money to complete a quest and they decided that they would uh, uh, press you and the DM didn't have anything else prepared for the session. So, Oh, Hey, <laughs> Oh, Hey, that's me. That happened to me. That's right. <laughs> and I don't think it was one diamond. I believe it was two that you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was the best. Um, my experience with that really comes from the campaign that we were running in curse of Strahd. Right. And the first thing that I thought of uh, when we were discussing it earlier was, in our campaign, we have a warlock and we have a beastmaster ranger. Uh, both of which have, you know, one has their familiar, one has their their sort of beast companion. And both of those have died to AoE at some point or just straight died to something else at some point. And the components for that can be somewhat expensive in Curse of Strahd where money is not really given out. Almost ever. Resources are scarce in general, let alone Very. let alone funds to be able to purchase those kind of things. And not to mention that uh, in some cases, you're kind of given the option to make things more expensive because of that. And so when 10 gold is the most that you've had for a lot of the campaign, all of a sudden you need to spend that on materials to summon one creature. You know, you finally get a little bit of money and you spend it all on on resources to do that. So and I think there's some ways that you can play through that. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to handle that. Right. But that's just something that to keep in mind the kind of spells and sort of things that your characters are casting and determine whether or not you want to make that difficult for them or if you want to find ways to make it a little easier that they can have those fun features of their class and, uh, you know, not 
you know, because a Beastmaster Ranger without their Beast Companion like, is what's useless. The, what's the point? Useless. Yeah. Totally useless. Stand, dodge, defend. That's basically what you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that, that brings up one final point that I was thinking about for for the few players that uh, may feel hesitant about showing the Dungeon Master their character sheet because they're in that mentality of the adversarial DM. Do not be afraid to show your character sheet to your Dungeon Master so that they can integrate you into the story, make you feel included. We're not looking at your character sheet so that we can figure out the best way to kill you. Although, occasionally, very small things, we're looking for opportunities to exploit your weaknesses. But we're not looking at it for it as a way to, as to, as to straight up kill you. We're trying to get you and your character involved in the story when we do those kind of things so that we can make use of your full skill set and prepare for whatever it is that you bring to the table. Yeah, exactly. And and to cap that off too, don't expect the DM to find those little details that you want to play through with your character. Don't oh, be afraid absolutely. to have that conversation like, hey, I put this on my character because it's something I would really like to see. I just wanted you to know that that's there and I hope to see it at some point. Doesn't have to be now, doesn't have to be right away. But, you know, me as the DM, you have so much stuff going on when you're preparing for a session, preparing for a game, world building. You just, I overlook those details all the time. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you got, you know, five to six players to incorporate all those things about uh-huh. their character. And if you can, as the, as the player, because we're talking both Dungeon Masters and players here, provide that opportunity, put that thing that's important to you out there, you know, one of the important things, maybe continue to have a conversation with the dungeon master, but also give them the opportunity to, you know, one of the most recent examples that I have is my character gave me kind of like his mind bubble of what, like what his relationships look like, what his, his profession looked like. He was a student, but also doing this other thing on the side. And mm-hmm. that gave me just a bunch of fodder to pick out like what I wanted to incorporate the things that I wanted to provide that he would be good at in terms of challenges. Like, putting that stuff out there for your dungeon master, continuing to have that conversation while also not throwing way too much at them because yes. you know that they have five other player players that they may be having the same conversation with. Like exactly. Just be, be considerate and kind to your dungeon master. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Let's move on yep. to this week's draft, which, uh, which we mentioned a little earlier. This is going to be a draft of player characters for a party. And so we decided with this draft that we were not going to lock out entire classes once they were picked because there's not a lot of options there. Uh, but if a subclass is picked or an archetype is picked, that that is no longer available to be used by the other person. So let's roll initiative. All right. Let's see if I can get any better than last time. That was pretty bad. <laughs> I've had mine sitting on a one this whole time, hoping, <laughs> hoping that... Hoping you don't get that one? Hoping that I don't get the one or at least get something better. Oh, here we go. Hey, you win again. Yes, I do. I got an 11. What'd you get? I got a 15. Yeah, you win again. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, Senor Jeff. Yes. With the first pick in the player character party draft. In the player character party draft. Okay. What you got? So... I'm going to introduce my first character, and then I will introduce the theme. So, this archetype is one that I had have now seen twice, and I, I was really reinvigorated by it by a recent player that had decided to uh, adopt this archetype as well. And the thing I love about it is that it's against type in in a lot 
of varieties. And uh, in particular, the one that I'm looking at here today is a Dragonborn Monk Way of the Four Elements. Ooh. And the reason why I, I don't think many people play this one is because you get that, and we're talking about 5e in this circumstance. Uh, all of, of these are inevitably, and I apologize for the for the non-5e players out there that are here for tabletop uh, role-playing games in general. Th- this one in particular, this draft is going to relate to the uh, the classes and archetypes in in uh, in five e. But in any case, so the the five e dragonborn gets a bonus to strength, which, as you know, for a monk is not the best benefit. They rely on dex. So I see that as a little bit of a perhaps hindrance, and I I really would honestly love to to play a strength based monk at some point with a dungeon master who's willing to flex the rules so that the the strength makes a little bit more sense for that just because i feel like strength-based monks like a really beefy monk just makes a lot of sense um but you need to be strong for those punches man. exactly exactly put a lot of force behind them being being nimble and running around the battlefield that's awesome totally i'll i'll take the 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 loss of the of the running speed possibly not all of it hopefully i can keep a little bit but like to, <laughs> to be able to use you know like a, an iron fist rather than a swift fist kind of thing would yeah. Be, yeah. yeah 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 but but in particular, beefy. right, beefcake. The, <laughs> the the reason that I picked the the dragonborn monk, and in particular, this would be a red dragonborn monk, is because I really wanted to play with the the four elements variety of it, and really yeah. play up that fire in the course of uh, fist bound combat. They have a uh, flame fist kind of um, uh, spell that they use, and I don't remember the exact name of it, but they basically conjure flames so that they can use their fists at distance and essentially use flame punches from 20 feet away to beat up their enemies. And just, you know, that whole thematic thing just sounds so fun to me. Every time I've seen the, the, the four elements or I, there was a, there was a, a homebrew version of that with uh, five elements that we saw that was really cool. I just think of the last airbender. Yes. And uh, I mean, that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's your opportunity to play an avatar. It's the best. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, okay. Your first pick. That's my first pick. Awesome. So I got I got I got back to backs, and uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out whether or not I want to pick something that's going to be a little more common mm-hmm. and just get it out of the way, or if I really care and I just want to go with with the characters that I think will will do this. So like I said before, I'm going to keep the theme to myself for All now, right. and uh, I'll give it away with the name of my team when we get to the end. I'm going to start off with the leader of this party. This is going to be your tank, the frontliner, the one that's uh, driving the battle forward as they get into the fray. And that is going to be a battlemaster fighter with the protector fighting style. Ooh. And a, Fearless a, leader, I see. A lot of what I have is not going to be race dependent. I think there might be one or two in here that I'll throw a race out there just for flavor. Mm-hmm. Um. But really, this is going to be the the fighter that just gets into the fray. They're standing in the middle of it. They're protecting their party. They're driving, you know, they're they're driving the battle forward. And this one is one that, uh, with the flavor of the battle master, is a student of war, and so they understand not only the fighting aspects but the strategy of the battle. So that's going to be my first pick. Very solid choice. Very solid. And I, I realized after I'd given the Dragonborn Monk that I said that I was going to give away my theme and I hadn't yet. So, oh, yeah, so, what is it? Uh, 
fairly straightforward. Uh, what I picked for my theme for my characters today are oddballs and oddities going against type. Okay. And uh, with Dragonborn Monk, that's, that's you know. It's pretty against type. It's pretty against type. Uh, and and I, I really like the idea that with adventurers just in general, you're supposed to be kind of like an oddball group of just like, you know, guys that go from town to town and have shenanigans and, and whatever and just like dialing it up to an extra level of just like these really weird combinations that just like don't really even make sense from like a just looking at them kind of thing like why are you wearing that why are you casting that kind of thing just uh, it really intrigued me so I went this on. adventuring party definitely met in a tavern yes exactly okay they would never have been brought together by their own individual walks of life all right I'm real curious to see where you go all right okay so with my second pick uh, being able to start at the top of this round. Hmm. There's so many good ones. Okay, I'll go with I'll go with an easy one here. Yes. This is sort of a a mixture of a damage dealer with some healing capabilities. Most of the party is not going to have a lot of healing. Uh, you know, benefit of five E is that it's not that important to have healing in your class picks because there's so many options to heal without needing that. I'm going to go with the Tempest Domain Cleric. Ooh. Because I, I actually really do like clerics. I mean, I love spellcasters in general because I love wizards. Right. Um, I love that you can offer different flavors of spellcasting to the cleric. And just having this cleric that is everything lightning and damage and thunder a little bit of healing. Um, I think it's pretty rad. Yeah, the the concept of uh, uh, of a holy warrior of some sort standing in the middle of the storm, praising their god, rain pouring upon their face, thunder bolting down around them. I I love that concept as well. That that's a great pick. So, what's your second pick? So, my second pick is uh, I wanted to go with uh, kind of two ends of an extreme. Uh, and I, I really like what I've heard from a couple uh, of other players in Dungeon Masters before. Just just saying that they they enjoy seeing like weird people that you wouldn't be expecting to cast spells, kind of thing. Like really little spellcasters or like really really big spellcasters. They like those kind of extremes. And in the in the case of of this one, I'm going with the really big beefy spellcaster that you wouldn't expect. I chose a half orc wizard with the. <laughs> <laughs> With I love the, it. With the enchantment, uh, uh, what do they call it? School. School, school, yes. Uh, in particular, I, I love the idea of uh, a half-orc wizard who's who spent all this time to be hypnotizing and charming and just very, very almost like cutesy and playful and be the one who this manipulates like huge gnarled grotesque face yeah and just like and like you know um uh, intelligence obviously as a wizard, wizard would be his first um first stat but i'd probably put a few more into charisma after that mm-hmm. and he'd just be the biggest fluffiest kind of like you know big old teddy bear kind of character i love it <laughs> that's a fantastic pick all right and for up next pick number three me going again here uh another set of um uh, ex- extremes. Um, what you typically expect from your high elves is that they are uh, perhaps in the back. Um, if they're doing anything that gets them pretty close to the action, they're they're swinging a sword with their 
their dexterous movement and then dipping back out before they get a chance to be hit. Alternatively, I thought that uh, playing a little bit off of Aurum, a character from one of my campaigns, uh, it's not quite the um, the the race combination that he picked. Aurum. Aurum. <laughs> Aurum. Aurum. <laughs> um, but... Uh, playing off his background because he he is a noble background barbarian and i th- thought that it would be <laughs> a perfect combination if <laughs> if i were to imagine the character to have it be a high elf background for his nobility a okay. high elf uh totem barbarian way of of the bear so a snooty totem barbarian <laughs> who just like snaps every once in a while and just like embraces the beast inside and goes crazy with his uh whenever somebody mispronounces his name yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that's my All right. pick number three okay okay so then uh pick number three for me i'm gonna go with the similar pick all right actually I, so you said path of the totem barbarian okay yes I'm going to go with a barbarian that is the berserker style. Perfect. And this is going to be a half orc, primarily for flavor, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. primarily because they're green. Very fitting, very fitting. Very fitting. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Are you starting to figure it out? I (gasps) hope you're starting to figure it out. It's coming together. It's It's coming coming together. together. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he may or or may not use, uh, just use his fists for fighting. And I think, uh, oh, dude, I love it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're getting, we're getting there. We're getting there. So, yeah, it's just going to be your big hulking barbarian. I know that this, you know, the it makes sense to be a half orc barbarian, right? That's like the best choice. Oh, totally. For barbarians, actually, is to be a half orc. That's what I. Well, I'm multi class, but I that I did that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still it's it's such a powerful combination when you're just talking about usability. Uh, of course, I'm kind of throwing away the weapon here because I want them to be uh, a fisty barbarian. Um, but they can still dish out some damage unarmed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just, he gets real mad and loses all control and just starts wailing on things. You might want to pick up the uh, tavern brawler feet so you can just, like, pick up whatever's in the vicinity and start throwing it around. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> so that's going to be pick number three number for me. Three for you. And number then we, four. we get to number four. And so far, I've got all these options because nothing's really been uh, been picked yet off my list. So I think the closest that I could find to fit within the theme that I'm going for is the Battlesmith Artificer. Ooh. And this was the artificer that, you know, they give you so many options. One's more of the alchemy style artificer. One's more of the, the, the weapon style. This one's more of the building things style. And particularly being able to make something like iron protectors and these big hulking mechanical creatures that you use to protect your party. And I think it's just such a cool subclass for for something that I've never really gotten to play around with much. I know in your campaign we had an artificer in the party. Yeah, and an alchemist. Yeah. Yeah, and and obviously the character the player is going to pick whatever they want. And I, you should always pick whatever you want. I will say I was a little bummed because I was playing a a um gosh, what's it called now? What my brain's gunslinger. gunslinger I was playing the, the, the gunslinger archetype from from Critical Role 
And I was really hoping that they were going to go with the the weapon style artificer yeah. so that we could build cool stuff together. That's the direction we were going in. We were talking about the the metal scrap as a material that you could pick up. And I was like, oh, yeah, artificer, go for it. And it was a, probably like a week between her telling me that she wanted to play that that uh, class and then realizing that she picked an alchemist. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Listen, it was still fun anyway. Yeah. And and oh, hey, totally. if she, she had, hadn't she had, a had picked ton that, of fun with that character and I enjoyed her playing it, but <laughs> we would have lost a lot of characters if she hadn't picked that one. Oh, totally, she, yeah. She healed us a lot. Yeah, she did. She healed us a lot. So, uh yeah, my fourth pick is the Battlesmith Artificer. Very fitting. Uh because my next pick is also an artificer, but uh it is one of the other options, one that you did actually mention. And I have one more example of a very big, beefy character doing something that uh, would typically require perhaps very fine work, um, you know, working, uh, you know, with their hands in, in very small kind of tinkery ways. And I decided for my fourth pick to go with a Goliath Artificer Artillerist, who is that, <laughs> who is that, uh, that that heavy firepower kind of artificer that creates all these ex- explosives and, and weapons and that kind of thing. And in the particular, the, the reason why I, I gravitated towards this, and I don't know that the Goliath would end up doing that, that they probably end up like making a gun of some sort or, you know, a cannon, whatever, but they have the option to specialize into making wands. And I'm just picturing this Goliath <laughs> with this itty bitty little wand that given, you know, it's it's an artificer wand, so it's going to ha- pack a heck of a punch, but just an itty bitty wand that, you know, shoots out a fireball or does whatever. So, I, you know, the best picture that I have in my mind is that when you say, you know, an artillerist, they could be making these massive weapons that that fit the form of what they are. Right. But it's so much funnier to think of this massive, like, almost eight foot tall character that's so intimidating looking, just pull out this little stick yep. and start shooting spells off of a wand. Yep, exactly. That the was best. Why. The best. Okay. All right. So before we get to your last pick. Let's do the recap. Let's recap. So let's start with you because I don't remember most of what you have because they're so random. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they're, they're uh, perhaps a little jarring. Yes. So, so from the top. Uh, we have our red dragonborn monk, uh, who is way of the four elements, particularly specializing in fire. We also have the half-orc wizard, who would be of the school of enchantment. We have the high elf barbarian, totem barbarian, uh, bear totem barbarian. And we have the goliath artificer with artillerist specialty. And Brian's picks. The... Battle Master Fighter with the Protector Fighting Style, the Tempest Domain Cleric, the Berserker Barbarian, mm-hmm. who is a half orc. Green, very important. Very green. Uh, and the Battlesmith Artificer. So, with your last pick in our player character draft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I uh I noticed towards the end here that I had a lot of fun in uh in all of the various little specialties for for damage and other roles in the party. Very tanky, actually. Uh, but the one thing that I hadn't picked yet was a healer. And I figured no better class to pick, or no better race to pick for for a healer than um, for our oddballs here. Uh, one that uh, is is 
definitely not the one that you'd expect. The one that you expect to see running in first in front is going to be a goblin. And this goblin is a Oath of Redemption paladin. Very much uh, contradicting his Fury of the Small, where Oath of Redemption is uh, very much a pacifist. So he's going to be in the back. He's going to say, uh, please don't hurt each other and and heal the party when they <laughs> when they when they do inevitably get hurt and try to seek the the path of least resistance i love it and, and you know it funny it does seem like an odd combination but when you really think of goblins um i think for the most part they'd probably rather not fight especially given the chance like they they they're not the most brave characters you know that's fair that's fair i i I do expect you know kind of in the almost like world of warcraft mentality for them to just like mob on and like overwhelm the party which i'm sure that they do but it's a calculated attack for the most part yeah so now with the party that they're probably not that comfortable with considering the size of most the rest of the party you have a dragonborn oh everyone's standing at least four feet taller a goliath i mean you know, this is a big party, man. And this little goblin is the one keeping them all alive. Yeah, I'll be a pacifist back here. Don't worry, guys. I just imagine that that is either going to be the uh, like World of Warcraft style, you know, Jersey accent goblin. Hey, guys, I'm just going to sit back here and heal you. Or you got to get into the the uh, like Lord of the Rings. I got my goblin sort of thing, man. <laughs> I think I prefer the World of Warcraft version. Yeah, me too. I have a lot more fun with that voice anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so we get to we get to my last pick. Pick number five for Dungeon Master Brian. You know, the part that I am really enjoying about this so far is that neither of us picked the same things at all. Like, none of what you picked is even in my list. I had a pretty good idea that the majority of my combinations, race aside, weren't going to be in any kind of conflict with your list. I, I love it. <laughs> okay, so I have... I have more than three options, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give the honorable mentions here before I make my last pick. Go for it. Okay. So first off, I mean we have a lot of sort of big, almost tanky sort of stuff in here. So you need the good damage dealer. And I kind of went between the assassin rogue or the way of the shadow monk, you know, the character that can just dive in and out of the shadows, show up out of nowhere, sneak up on people. Get the kill. Right. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you got to have some ranged in there. So you, the other option was for the Arcane Archer. Right. Which is a really, really cool class setup. And one of my players in the Curse of Strahd campaign is playing one. And when his character really came online, man, he can do some pretty cool stuff. And he multiclassed into Rogue. Right. Which, you know, sneak attack was really, really cool. But, you know, I wouldn't be me. If I didn't end this off with a divination wizard. Ooh. Now I was wondering. I, I know now. So I knew you I, had some options. I love <laughs> wizards. And so I'm playing a divination wizard in a campaign right now. And it's so much fun. And and you know, we able to tell the dungeon master just no. Yeah. That's that's not yeah. right. That's not the role that you rolled. Yeah. Hey, that thing that you were trying to do with this game, no, sorry. And you know, and especially taking counterspell. Right. You know, I just feel like a like a blue mage from Magic the Gathering. And yes, I was a blue player. You can hate me all you want. You can hate <laughs> me all, all the hate. I know that you wanted to play this game with us right now, but no. No. 
That's not for you. This is my game now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Divination Wizard, I mean, you have all the wizard options available to you for spells. But having that class feature for portent and being able to swap pretty much any role that you want out with a predetermined role. I mean, anytime that you get a one or 20 in there is it's just, you know, the game is is up. The game is over. Yep. yep. So. And you're going to have to, uh, I think it's a little bit later on, but there's, what is that spell? Like time jump or something like that? Right? Oh, there's some crazy there's, time there's, stuff. There's some time, time stuff in there. Stop, I think, was uh, was the level nine spell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Time stop. That's the not one like particularly go. great spell, but I had to look that one up when we were planning that level twenty one shot because oh. that that could have caused some serious disruption. Yeah, well, <laughs> that that that's a great story for another time. Oh, definitely. So, Jeff, what's the name of your team? So we're gonna put the team names up for everybody to vote on. Right. Uh, well, I think the the easiest way to say it is I am the Oddballs and Oddities team. I love it. If you haven't figured it out by now, I am Team Avengers. Heck yeah! That's right. I did a uh, I did a lot of thinking on that's a great how you could make man. the yeah. Avengers. Oh, that was brilliant. in D D. Yeah. So if you didn't if you didn't pick it up through my list, the Battlemaster Fighter, Captain America, mm-hmm. Protector, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Tempest right Domain yep. Cleric. Yeah. Yeah. That's America's butt. <laughs> yeah. You got to write that into the backstory. The Tempest Domain Cleric, Thor, Battlesmith Artificer, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And we, we, you know, started to come together with the half orc berserker barbarian being the Hulk. And uh, my last one was Doctor Strange. Right. Now, I know he's the Sorcerer Supreme, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you'd think Sorcerer, but he learned. How to be a magic caster. He was not born with it. He's a wizard. Right. Not every uh, uh, cinematic universe is um, following the same rules of Dungeons and Dragons for sorcerers giving, getting inherent powers and wiz- wizards learning their powers through through study. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. got to deal with that. So, you know, and look, there was going to be a wizard in my list. So it was either going to be him or somebody else that I could make the argument for being a wizard. So <laughs> go on Twitter and uh, cast your vote cast your for vote. your favorite team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See if uh, Brian gets a redemption this time. <laughs> I mean, if I am not redeemed with the Avengers, <laughs> I think you got a shot. I, I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I think I think I'm just gonna stop if I if I don't <laughs> if, I, if I don't at least break even on this one. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go to our last segment mm-hmm, of the day, which is our yes and yes and yes and we decided that uh, we were gonna just throw a little topic out there first this time right it was fun we kind of came up with one off the top of our heads last time but you know maybe a little direction yeah you know a little something to start with yeah so Get us in the right mindset for where we are so that we can yeah yeah it. yeah so uh jeff what's our topic our topic is stealing the treasure out from under a sleeping dragon a sleeping dragon mm-hmm. okay so we'll start yes, with the party making their way through a deep series of tunnel caverns. They can hear the deep snoring breath of the dragon as they inch closer and closer. You can hear the sound of coins being moved around just under the chest of the dragon. And in addition to the sound of the of the dragon breathing, sitting upon its loot hoard, moving it ever so slightly in his sleep, you also begin to, as you as you turn the corner, hear 
unexpected footsteps, not expecting there to be anyone else but the dragon. And as you turn the corner, see the massive horde upon which the dragon is sleeping and protecting. Important to note that it is a red dragon that you see sleeping upon this bed of coins. You see a number of little goblins in in garb uh, befitting a dragon worshiper. We're going with goblins again, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and? And? <laughs> they don't seem to notice the party right away. And as the party's looking a little bit closer, they're sort of sneaking around, trying to make sure that they're not seen. The goblin party is not goblins. And they're not tending to the treasure. They're stealing it. It is at this point that the party, having done their best to sneak, has not been quite as successful as they were hoping. And they did not wake the dragon. Sure, they got past that. But they have now been eyed by the goblins who, in complete fear, mute, almost completely frozen in space as they now realize that their sneaky escape is now compromised look upon the party with wild, fearful eyes. And one of them sort of gathers up what they can and shuffles very quickly towards the party. Very much like the uh, the, the janitor guy in Harry Potter when he comes bursting in the door and comes yeah. running through the room very awkwardly. And he runs right up to the party and goes, Hey, what are you guys doing here? This is our treasure! It's at this point that the whispers of the goblin begin to cause a bit of a stir in the dragon. Not enough to wake him, but there's more of a of a disturbance in the coins, a, a massive rush of them uh, flowing out from under his twisting body as he seems to writhe in his sleep, having heard a disturbance. And you see a mountain of coins envelop two of the goblins that were attempting to pick up the treasure on the ground. And the uh, one goblin that had come up to the party turns around long enough for the adventurers to decide we're going to take this goblin's treasure. One of the party members decides take a little closer look at the goblin and upon closer inspection first realizes this is a gnome dressed as a goblin with very very begins. very bad green paint job on their face. And they immediately grab at the bag that this, quote, goblin was carrying, full of coins and other treasure. And by doing so, the goblin turns around and starts wrestling back. What? What are you doing? This is mine. This is mine. And all the wrestling and noise of the coins, the dragon's face turns towards the party. The eyes wide the nose and mouth snarling. And it's at this point that the dragon being fully awake and aware of the quote-unquote goblins and the party are is prepared to ask them, what are you doing in my domain? The first thing that happens is that the little quote goblin immediately starts to grovel. They are dressed, as you mentioned, like worshippers of the dragon. And for a moment, the dragon seems amused by this, 
and turns mostly to the party and starts to move closer. The party begins to prepare themselves to fight. They're getting ready to unleash spells, unleash their arrows, sing their songs. And the singer of the songs, in particular, runs out before the party, finally finding his opportunity with a dragon right in front of him and sings the most brilliant and harmonious song that any, the pseudo-goblins, the party, and the dragon have ever heard in their lives. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and hurt you. The dragon becomes enthralled. It lowers its head a bit further. Sort of snickers a little bit towards this bard. You amuse me. I think I'd like to keep you. And it is at this point that the dragon with its inherent magical abilities casts the spell Polymorph on the bard, transforming him into a female, young dragon, who he beckons over to him to sit by his side. Brown chicken, brown cow. (laughs) The polymorphed bard saunters over as a small dragon. The thoughts rush through their head. This can get real bad real fast, but I'm also a dragon right now, and this is pretty (laughs) awesome. The two of them sort of turn back out towards the party. This is just the way things are now. And they start to breathe fire on everybody. (laughs) Two breathing dragons. uh, One perhaps adult, not quite ancient yet, and now the polymorphed young dragon. Breathe fire upon the of pseudo-goblins and adventurers, and of course the pseudo-goblins, go out in one fell swoop. They're just little thieves running through the um, caverns here. They didn't stand a chance, but the adventurers... They're ready for it. They knew that they might have to uh, fight a dragon. So so everybody gears up. They're slinging their spells. And it is uh, at one point that the wizard decides uh, that the bard is having too much fun and casts the spell magic on the counter spell or on the polymorph that is on the bard. And as the bard comes to, looks around, immediately begins to try to talk their way out of what just happened. (laughs) Unfortunately for them, they're a bard, so they do a pretty good job of at least uh, stemming the anger of the party as the party's barbarian gets ready to go and chop their head off (laughs) mid-fight. So the raging battle continues. Mm -hmm. The party against the dragon. And the dragon's pretty strong. And the fight is leaning towards the dragon. How does it end? The last piece of the puzzle is a magic item from the party that they had picked up in their earlier adventures, something that a wise old wizard had told them, only use this in case of emergency. And pulling it out, pulling what uh, is a scroll out of their bag, um, the wizard in in fever, feverish attempts as the barbarian goes down as the the bard falls to blows from both the uh, the party and the dragon 
um, reads feverishly and from the scroll manifests a bronze dragon equal in size to the red dragon they are now facing. The epic battle draws to a close. Most of the party is down on the ground, hurt. The bronze dragon stands triumphant over the red, dissipates into magic dust. And as the fight concludes, there's a little bit of rustling in the coins. And the two gnomish goblins that had been covered in coins <laughs> somehow managed to survive the fight. Grab whatever special magical items they can find as the party's trying to recover and tear ass out of that cavern. <laughs> the adventurers win. They got the treasure. They got some treasure. <laughs> some treasure. That's for sure. <laughs> Who's our winner? We don't really know. I don't know either. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> cool, man. So that that was uh, the the cap of another really fun episode. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, that draft, man. That those choices were brilliant. I'm I can't wait you. to see. I can't wait to see how. I mean, I really liked yours. I really did. Uh, you, you you bring some very unique options to this, and I just don't think I'm that creative. <laughs> so don't tell you know. Short. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna come up with something fun. And I'm going to stick to my guns and we'll see what happens. You know, we'll, we'll leave it up to the voters. Indeed. Okay. So as we wrap up here today, uh, you can find us on social media where we're sort of everywhere now, but Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those are the big ones. The podcast should be out shortly on iTunes as well. I'm just waiting for uh, that to go through. And I think maybe by episode three, we'll have the website up. So you Indeed. can go and find us pretty much anywhere online. Anything else that you'd like to uh, to cap us off with? No, just uh, I want to say thank you again to the people that have been tuning in, listening in. It's it's again been super exciting to see the su- uh, support and response from 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 people online, our, our our friends and beyond. And I'm just really excited to 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 keep on doing this. I've been having a ton of fun so far. All right, well, we'll be back at it next week. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Dungeons Mastered podcast. We'll see ya. Bye now. <laughs>